Well, I'll tell you, one of the th one of the things I'm seeing is the enormous number of pastors and leaders out there who are have thrown out the normal church model. Uh, it's amazing. As we come out of this pandemic, there are churches that are never going to go back to every Sunday meeting. Uh, I, I talked to a number of pastors in the South, for instance, who um, are going to do, even when we're done with this completely, they're going to do three weeks a month doing live streaming. Welcome to the Social Media Church Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Magnuson. Unfortunately, not joined today by our other co-host, Nils Smith, but I am joined by one of Nils's good friends and my new friend, Phil Cook. And Phil is somebody that you are already familiar with. And for the three people who aren't, uh, I just want to let you know you guys are in for a treat. Phil has been around this space for a long time, and Phil is actually going to be contributing to our first ever social media church conference. Phil has been leading creatives and leading the discussion and coaching creatives in the creative process, writing books, blogs, everything under the sun for creative people. And that is the space that we are all in. And never have we been more in a season as church leaders in the creative space as it pertains to media and digital media. And so we're going to have Phil let us know a little bit about what he's talking about. I want him to reintroduce himself uh, to this audience because Nils had him on a while ago, uh, but we're really happy to have Phil back. If you guys want any information about this upcoming conference, you can find it all at socialmedia.church conference. It's going to be a great three days. And Phil, we're so excited to have you and ha excited to have you here right now joining us. Well, thank you, Aaron. I'm thrilled to be here. This is really fun. Uh, you know, when it comes to social media and church, I'm all in. And I'm sorry, Niels can't be here today. Yes. But um, uh, we, we go way back. But yeah, I'm, I'm honored to be here. And uh, this is going to be fun. Yes. Now, how I am curious, because I'm relatively new to this space. I've seen a lot of these faces. I just get the privilege of being able to talk and introduce myself to them now. How did you and Nils meet? Lord, I don't know. His, his uh, you know, Dunham and Company, the company he works yes. for, uh, Rick yep. Dunham, the founder, and I have been friends for a very, very long time. Uh, we were both involved in helping a lot of large organizations navigate this media world. Him mostly yes. with fundraising, me mostly with media and production stuff. And so we've worked together over the years on a number of clients. And when Niels came on board, I immediately saw that they'd, they'd grab somebody very brilliant. And so I set out to know him. I have a thing about wanting to find the smartest guy in the room. And uh, so yes. I got to know Niels very well. We've done a number of podcasts and things over the years, spoken together at a couple conferences. And so, yeah, yes. that's how we got together. Wow, that's awesome. And yeah, when you meet Nils or if you hear anything and the listeners here obviously know, uh, Nils is very smart, but I want to and I want to say but Phil, you uh, kind of take this space to uh, from a different angle. Uh, yeah. And Nils can talk about strategy and he can talk about all the things that you're supposed to be doing. But the creative process and in a lot of ways, leading creatives is so important and it's it's a skill in and of itself and we have True. creatives who listen to this podcast we have lead pastors who are hopefully leading creatives uh yeah. do you just kind of want to introduce the world that sure. you're in the conversations you're having the people you work with well you're exactly right about leading creatives it's funny there's a ton of stuff out there on leadership and i love it i'm yes. a big leadership fan have been for a long time john maxwell is a friend of mine and yes. he's taught me so much over the years but Really, there's not much at all on leading creative people. 
and if you're a creative person, you know, you people are listening, they know this. And um, if you're, you know, I find a lot of organizations have leaders yes. of the creative team who have no clue how to do it. And you know, it's right. funny, Aaron, it's not about being creative yourself. It's not about necessarily being the coolest, hippest, you know, guy in the room. It's often, I've been to a couple organizations where the, the, the creative leader who was brilliant at it was actually the geekiest guy in the room. So yes. it's really not about, you don't have to be the most creative guy, the most hip guy in the room. It's really about understanding how to motivate and inspire creative people to do amazing things. And, yes. and if we can learn how to do that, there's really no limit to what we could do. I came out of a background of broadcast television. I started my career wow. producing national television programs, working my way up the ladder. And um, I, I've, you know, we've done Super Bowl commercials, we've done big global concert events, we've done all kinds of things over the years, but I really have a heart to help the church, help ministry organizations, nonprofits tell their story more effectively. I, I really believe that one of the reasons we see Christianity being marginalized yes. and pushed to the margins is because we just aren't, we don't understand the language of media because we live in a That's media right. driven culture today. And if we can't tell our story and communicate effectively that way, we're just not gonna get very far. And sadly, as you know, and as many listeners know, the church has just not done a great job when it comes to sharing our story via the media. So that's, that's where my heart is. And that's why I'm, I'm so excited to come to this conference, because I know I'll have like-minded yes. people in the room, and it'll be really interesting to, to share. Absolutely. And I want to get into the new book that has just released, but I want to ask the question, as you're talking about leading in this creative landscape and trying to figure out, has there been a big fundamental shift that you've seen over the course of this pandemic? And at the time of this recording, we're still in the pandemic, hopefully in the tail end of it, uh, but it's definitely still present and it's still here. What kind of changes have you seen over the course of this new landscape? That's a great question. And, and the interesting thing to me is that I, I wrote a book years ago, one of my first major books called Jolt, yes. Get the Jump on a World That's Constantly Changing. And I wrote that yes. book to help people navigate <laughs> this accelerating change that was going to be coming. I yes. saw it coming a long time ago. And I wanted to help. When did you write this book, Phil? When did you huh? write it? What year did when you did write I, it in? Oh, gosh. I'd have to go check. It was a long, it was a, it was a while ago. A long ago. time ago. Yeah. That's right. And prepared. the jolts were happening way back then. This isn't new. I, I want <laughs> to reiterate true. to our audience, this isn't new. This isn't yeah, new. No, and Phil's no, been preaching this for all. a long time, but carry on. Not at all. And when I wrote the book, I, I uncovered some interesting research that essentially yeah. said change is the hardest thing people will ever do in their whole life. Yes. And if you're a leader, you know that getting your team to change, getting your congregation to change, that's just really, really hard. And in fact, yes. one study indicated that the, a significant number of open heart surgery patients in less than a year go back to their old lifestyle, the one that got them there wow. in the first place, you know, smoking and drinking and eating fried chicken. It, it's just funny that the threat of death doesn't even make some people change. But yes. the interesting thing about this whole COVID experience and the church shutdown we've had is that from day one, March a year ago, we've had drummed into our head on a daily basis that there's a new normal. Things are going to change. Yes. Things are going to be different. Things are not going to be the way they always were. And every night on the evening news, Dr. Fauci and on primetime yeah. TV, just we've had this pound, this new normal idea pounded into our head, which means, yes. Aaron, that as we come out of this year, people are not just ready for change. I believe they're expecting major changes to happen. Yes. And so I'm telling pastors, church leaders, nonprofit leaders, if you've ever wanted to change anything about your church, your ministry, your nonprofit, this is the moment to do it. I mean, you may want to change your order of service, 
the color of the sanctuary, your leadership team, you want to change the way you approach social media, the yes. way you do a million things, this is the time to do it. And I really believe there's a window. We have probably a six month window here from this point wow. on where people are going to still be in this eager mood to, to expect change out there. And so yes. if we don't do it now, I think that window is going to close eventually and we'll be back to the way we always were. Where we're just pulling right. teeth to try to get people to change. But the point is, if you're listening to this, whatever changes you want to do in your own life, in your organization, yep. this is the moment. I just think people are more excited about change. They're expecting it and they're ready to change. So th this conference, in my opinion, couldn't come out at a better time simply because yes. this is going to help people be equipped with the tools they need to change their organization. I think that's fantastic. That's right. And you're involved in a lot of these conversations. I'm, I'm curious, before we kind of maybe look at what some of these changes are, because I, I kind of want to get into, I, I see changes happening in, in two spots. There's a change within the organization, particularly for how creatives are going to need to be managed. Uh, things like we experience working from home, we experience working remote, doing things differently, even how we hire may be different. And then there's also a different way that we're actually doing our ministry. But before we go there, are you seeing people already trying to fall back into that old familiar chair that they used to sit in a year ago. Yeah, I'm seeing some signs of it. I mean, that's why I say we only have about a six month window. Uh, you know, it's, yep. it's we're losing people already. There are some people that are just so hardcore that just don't want to change anything. It's just funny yes. to me that people just hate to change. And, and it involves, <laughs> you know, pushing boundaries, learning new things, adjusting to new things. It's change can be difficult for a lot of people. And certainly there are personality yes. types that, uh, you know, me, I'm changing everything. I've got, got 10 or 12 to-do list apps on my, my computer and my wow. phone just because I'm always playing around with them and trying to try new yep. things. And I'm always eager about a better way to do things. But some people aren't that way at all. And um, yes. I just think people that will succeed in the future are going to be people who adapt to change easily. And so yes. uh, that's one good word for people out there. If you want to move your career forward, become comfortable with change because that's what the future is all about. And we're never going to right. go back to the way it used to be. And so I think that's really an important point. Yeah. And, and you kind of gave a little bit of the advice there, but before we move forward in the conversation, maybe somebody who is a little bit skeptical listening right now, they're wanting to go back to measuring how many people they can get into a physical building on a weekend. They're wanting to go back to some old metrics, some old rhythms. Right. What's one thing that you would say to them ahead of this conference, ahead of the rest of this conversation, frankly, uh, to just, uh, implore them to stay engaged in what we're about to talk about. Well, I'll tell you, one of the, th one of the things I'm seeing is the enormous number of pastors and leaders out there who are, have thrown out the normal church model. Uh, it's amazing. Yes. As we come out of this pandemic, there are churches that are never going to go back to every Sunday meeting. Uh, right. I, I talked to a number of pastors in the South, for instance, who um, are going to do, even when we're done with this completely, they're going to do three wow. weeks a month doing live streaming. The fourth week on Friday night, they're going to do a giant worship celebration concert. Wow. Saturday, they're going to go out in the streets and do a giant community ministry outreach. And then Sunday, they're going to have a blowout worship service. But they're going to do three Sundays first online. Uh, some yes. European pastors I've been talking to are going to follow the, the model that the Catholics have used a lot with daily mass. You know, most Catholic wow. churches around the country have a daily mass, a small, intimate gathering yes. of people that come in. I have a one of my best friends is a Broadway actor. And when he travels around the country doing shows, he says, you know, I can always find a local Catholic church and I'll go to mass every yep. single day. Well, wow. a lot of pastors I'm seeing have started small online groups 
that they're ministering every single day. One pastor I know in Florida has 700 people he meets with in a Facebook group every morning, Monday through Friday. And uh, they're having an incredible ministry time, prayer time, devotional time. And so it's just interesting that that, um, I had lunch with a major African-American pastor here in Los Angeles the day before yesterday. And he's exploring some different things. So I think pastors are eager to see, okay, you know, we're not married to this every week model. What else is out there? What should we be doing that could change the dynamic? So I just believe if you go back to the old way of doing things, you're going to get left out. Um, Yes. I I think certainly there's a lot of positive things about the old way of doing things, but this is the time to explore new possibilities. And uh, when we look at the history of the church, we just see constant change, constant adapting, constantly trying new things. And I just think that's the future. And it's very exciting from my perspective. Oh my gosh, me too, Phil. And I, I just, I often find myself talking uh, either to my wife or to coworkers, peers, about what a time that we get to do ministry. This is like yeah. this is the season that God has called us to lead the church through. Um, and the people listening to this, you have an opportunity to participate in that. And that's what Phil and I would encourage you to think about as you listen to the rest of this conversation. This is an invitation in to where God is going. And he's going to go there and he's going to accomplish his will, whether you're on board or not. Uh, and we want you on board. And God wants your ministry on board. And he wants your staff on board and your team on board. So let's talk about the staff and the team, Phil. Um, sure. What are some of those transitions, some of those changes, particularly with a bent towards the creative that you're seeing uh, that's changed in this season? Maybe for workflow, maybe how you lead. Has your advice to leaders changed about how to lead the creative after going through this pandemic? Well, it's interesting. It hasn't, it hasn't, because largely I live in Hollywood, working in, in, here in Los Angeles, and yep. this is largely a freelance town, which means if I go yep. out to make a film or go do a television program, everybody I hire pretty much is freelancers. They, you know, yes. it's, it's funny, a freelancer wakes up every morning unemployed. You know, they don't have the, <laughs> the locked-in salary, they don't have the benefits, yep. they don't have the insurance. They wake up every morning unemployed. It's kind of funny when I'm on the set and I yell, cut. I know most of the crew whips out their phone and starts talking. And I know they're not calling their friends or checking their social media. They're lining up their next day's job. So um, in that world, we're used to that. In fact, my team, we we own a building in Burbank that that we were in for a number of years. But about, I don't know, six or eight years ago, we decided, why do we have this? Why don't we just go work from home? And, And we just did started remote working long before COVID ever happened Incredible. and we got really comfortable. Most of my team is on the road quite a bit. I'm on the road more yeah. than, you know, human beings really should be, but, yeah. uh, I, I'm on the road all the time. They're on the road all the time. And so we're always communicating with tools like Slack or, you know, with Asana, different things like that. Um, and so I just figured we don't really need to be, and I don't think we'll ever come back. I don't think we'll ever come back into one place. Right. Maybe every once in a while, maybe every few weeks we'll get together just to, to kind of get together and connect. But we've just had so much fun and it's been just as productive. We haven't lost any level of productivity by not being in the same room together. So, you know, yes. Tim, Tim Cook at, uh, at uh, Apple said, did say yes. something interesting. He said, there is those, uh, you know, moments of serendipity. You know, serendipity is that idea of two things mixed together and suddenly something surprising comes out. And he yes. said, 
when you are in the same building, you bump into people, you start random conversations and sparks happen and ideas happen. So there is an advantage there. And I do believe that's good. But I do think at the same time, we're never going to go back to the way we were. We're never going to go back to everybody being in the building all the time. I think remote work is going to be here for a very long time, if not forever. And because people have adapted. And I've seen some studies, by the way, Aaron, that suggest that there's actually was a productivity bump when when COVID started and everybody went home. There was actually a productivity bump because people don't necessarily quit at five anymore. I believe it. They'll they'll work into the evening. uh, They'll work on weekends because it's just so easy to do. And um, I've always done it and I I enjoy it. I was there for my kids. I could be there for my kids at school. I could be there to pick up, you know, my kids, do do all kind of things with them, go to ball games. Totally. But I will work late into the night sometimes and, and I've adapted. And I think that's a good it's a good plan. Yeah. So let's say there's a leader listening and, and I can totally relate to that. I, uh, I'm an online pastor. So part of my role at the church allows me to be free and work remote. That's just the nature of my job. It also yeah. means I'm leading a team of people that live in different places, uh, around the world, even in different time yeah. zones. Uh, and so I, I'm curious about two things. We'll dive into the first one. Uh, first I'm curious if a leader is coming out of the pandemic and they're, they, they've never done remote work with their staff before they've never done it with their creative team, or maybe, even just a sect of their organization. What's that first step you take to not getting rid of your building, but just going towards remote work? What's one step they can take to start that process if they're interested? It's And I'll talk about this a little bit in my talk, but it's generally convincing Great. leaders for the need to be flexible in the way they think about their team. Uh, it's funny, in the accounting department, they pretty much think the same way. I mean, they're in their cubicles yes. and they have the same software and the programs, yep. not, you know, it's nothing negative about them, but they have a certain system in a way they work. Creative right. people, we're a little more oddballs. You know, creative people yes. are just different. For me, you know, I rock between 6 a.m. and noon. I write my books then, I do my talks yes. then, I'm writing scripts then. I can just do amazing things between 6 a.m. and noon. After lunch, I'm pretty worthless. I can do phone calls. I can go to meetings. We can do podcasts, travel, things like that. And at night, forget it. I'm going to read books, watch television, watch movies. So I've learned my time. And other creatives, I I had dinner last night with the, the communications director of one of the largest churches in America. And he said he kicks in after dinner at seven o'clock and he'll work till 2 a.m. And he said, that's his prime time for him. So everybody's different. And so the first thing a creative leader has to understand is my team is going to be a little bit wacky, a little bit different. And and if you don't have to totally give in to everything, but if you can provide them a certain amount of flexibility, man, it'll come back to you. Now I'll say this, Aaron, that doesn't mean we let up on delivery dates. It doesn't mean we let up on our schedule. Deadlines still matter. You still have to do the work, but yes, if you do the work better at home and work all night long, great. God bless you. I, I with my team totally. and our, our company, Cook Media Group, I don't measure hours worked. I don't measure when they're in the office. I measure right. what they accomplish. That's what I That's want to right. know is did we deliver that project? That's right. The clients thrilled and did it hit the deadline? And as long yes. as that happens, I don't care if they do it on a plane, on the, at the totally. beach, at home. It really doesn't matter to me. So That's as right. long as we're, you start tracking outcomes, um, not just hours put in. You know, it's funny. Uh, yes. uh, Bible Bible societies for his, historically used to raise money based on the number of Bibles they printed. You know, they, they do fundraisers. Okay, yeah. This year we printed a million Bibles to send overseas. Yeah. Well, I don't know anybody read them. We don't have any proof that anybody actually read them. In fact, right. I was filming in Africa one time and, 
my, my friend, who, a producer who lived there, took me to a warehouse that was filled with Bibles from one of the biggest Bible societies in America. And he said, nobody reads these because we have a very low literacy rate in our country. So right. Bible societies have been really pushed recently to start shifting to outcomes. How many people are reading them? How many people are using yes. them? Um, how many churches yes. are they in? are they in? So I just tell leaders, think about outcomes, not hours worked or, you know, when yes. they showed at the office office, we just have to get away from that. And it'll completely change the way you lead your creative team. Wow. Sorry. Yeah, I that's mean, I, I rant. That was a little that's mini so good. No, no, no. That's so good. Phil, that's why you're here. And, and you're going to get more of this side of Phil at the conference. Uh, and so I'm yeah. just really excited for you to contribute uh, in, in this way. And, and this is your space. And we've asked all of our actually I'll pause here for a second. Uh, we've asked all of our speakers to talk about what they're most passionate about. And so as you just heard from Phil, he just went, uh, he just went after it because this is what Phil is passionate about. And we have almost 50 speakers and they're all talking about what they're passionate about. And they're not all talking about the same thing, but they're all experts in their own space. And most importantly, they're very passionate about it. And so yeah, Phil, you can have uh, five more or 10 more of those moments uh, for the rest of this conversation if you want. Um, and, and I can so relate to that. And for the record, if I could sleep from noon to 6 p.m. if that was my night per se uh that would be that would be the best thing for me uh but the world doesn't function that way so uh i try to make do with with being both a night owl and an early bird but um yeah just giving your team a little bit of extra freedom uh not not uh free of boundaries and free of um deadlines like you said like the structure needs to still be there but how they get to there um they could take the scenic route. They could go on the highway. Whatever they want to do to get to that point at that time uh, is up to them. Now, I am curious, though, and, and I'm curious what you're going to say because I know it's possible. So I'll speak for myself, leading a team of people predominantly interacting. We interact on Discord. Uh, we have it set up very much like Slack. Um, but I, I'm curious, how do you create those moments of serendipity that are still important and there's still an important level of chemistry to the team interacting? How are you fabricating or creating those opportunities for your team to feel like a team working from isolated yeah. areas, which is That's very great. important for creatives? It's a great question. And a lot of it is taken up in doing projects together, not necessarily physically yes. together, but we're engaging on Zoom. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of sick, yep. sick of Zoom. I'm, I'm Zoomed out, man. I've, <laughs> I've done so many Zooms. And, the, you know, it's funny yes. when the lockdown happened, I thought my career was over. You know, churches, ministry organizations, they're not going right. to call me. And uh, Lord knows they got caught blindsided with this whole live streaming thing. So we got flooded yes. with calls. And right. we've done so many Zooms, and I'm about to blow my brains out, honestly. But, <laughs> uh, but the truth is, we'll do that. We'll Zoom. We'll conference call yeah. to talk about stuff. And it is, it's kind of fun. And, and we'll occasionally throw a party. We'll go out to eat. You know, now in California, uh, we can actually go to restaurants again. And, yes, um, that's right. We'll arrange lunch <laughs> together. We still celebrate birthday parties. And very often, we shift the time together to a social time rather than a work yes. time. And that still builds yes. the relationships and, and bonds. Absolutely. But I'll tell you, it's, it's just funny how um, we, we've kept the momentum moving forward. And I, I actually feel closer to my team than I did when we were all in the same room. Maybe that's a peculiar wow. thing about me, but um, it is just kind of interesting how that's worked. And so I would just tell leaders right now, don't worry so much about not being able to keep that momentum going when people are remote working. Um, I, I think you could right. do it. And th there's a, a number of different ways we could do it, but it is important to connect with everybody. Everyone. My, my wife, Kathleen has been 
uh, really, really a hard driver of having regular online meetings just to stay in touch with everybody. I mean, one yes. of the, you know, one of the, one of the girls in, on our team is getting, getting ready to have a baby. And so we're all excited. Everybody's thrilled. We're having yeah. a regular mon- you know, monitoring that and checking. So little things like that can make a dramatic cool. difference and we celebrate everybody's victories and, and it does, yes. does really help. Wow, that's awesome! Yeah, and, and it is possible. I think I, I want it, that you guys to hear that as listeners is that it is possible to have flexible hours to still uh, see incredible results. Because Phil, I don't think what I'm hearing you say is that you guys got less productive or less work done or less no. accomplishments in this season. Maybe well, even contrary. Eric, let me tell you. Let me give you a story. A number yeah. of years ago, I, I, I was asked to consult with a, a Christian television station in the Midwest, big city in the Midwest. And sure. they hired a guy, uh, at my urging, they hired a guy who was a really good graphic designer. But he was really out there. I mean, he was tatted all over, man. He, he, sure. he looked like an outlaw biker, uh, just yeah. looked scary. But he was really gifted. And um, so he went into this station that was largely old school folks, a lot of older oh, employees, man. and they hated the dude. They just hated the poor guy. And they, yes. they actually took up a petition that they wanted him out of there. And um, so I talked to the boss about it and I said, look, let's put him in a different building. Let's just take him over. And, and he also right. liked to work. He was a night owl like you and he wanted to come in late at night and work. And, yeah. and the, pe- the other employees just thought that was outrageous. We can't, you know, we have to be here from eight to five. Let's, let's yes. come on. And the idea of letting one guy have that freedom just freaked everybody out. But fortunately, the boss was really brilliant. I talked him into letting him have that freedom, come in when he needed to, and then do another building. So the other employees didn't even have to deal with him. And guess what? Within six months, his designs and his creativity literally transformed that station. They just, overnight, their ratings skyrocketed. It was just a whole different look and perception. And suddenly, everybody thought, hey this guy's not so strange. He's brilliant. Yes. And um, yes. suddenly everybody got together on the same page. So just That's to right. understand that from us creatives, you know, we're not all alike. We're not clones. We don't operate the same way. No. We don't think the same way. As, a, as I said, it's not permission to, to, you know, lower the bar of quality. That's right. But giving them a little, little room to move is just a powerful, powerful That's right. thing. Phil, this this remind that story. That's such a good story. Reminds me of one of the first impressions that I had of you, and still to this day, one of my favorite parts about you that I think is your, as far as your testimony goes, one of the most powerful things when you're presenting on creatives, and particularly how to lead creatives, is. Your age. And I don't want you to tell us your age. I'm just going to say Phil is, if you're not watching this on YouTube, you probably haven't noticed this yet. Phil's older than me and he's older than Nils. And what I loved about your story is you said there was some older people in there that was uncomfortable with how this guy was and looked. Phil, I just, I want you to maybe uh, talk to your peers or at least maybe people who are older than me, right? Who might be skeptical about whatever this Gen Z is and the next generations and blah, blah, blah. They're doing TikTok and all this, whatever. Uh, Maybe talk to them. How do you stay fresh? How do you continue to love them and continue to have this perspective where you're not intimidated by things you've never seen before or people you've never seen before? 
I have to say that's a really interesting question, Aaron, because, you know, I'm rapidly coming to the place where I'm usually the oldest guy in the room. And um, my idol is Lee Clow. Lee Clow is the art director for Chiat Day Advertising in okay. Seattle. Uh, he just wow. recently retired at 77. He created the Apple, wow. uh, the iconic uh, 1984 ad for Apple. He did all the Michael wow. Jordan ads for, for uh, Nike. I mean, the guy's a legend. And he yeah. just, and I don't think he's going to fully retire, and he's 77. Right. And, um, I'm not even close to that yet, and I just look at that thinking that's yes. my goal. But it's interesting that, that I've read some interesting research that indicated creativity does not diminish with age. There's no evidence out there whatsoever wow. that people get less creative as they get old. I saw in the newspaper just yesterday that Bob Dylan just turned to 80, and he's wow. just releasing a new album. Uh, in fact, yeah. his number one hit, his only number one hit never happened until he was, until he was in his late 70s. Wow. So creativity does not diminish with age. However, as you say, some people start losing it. And that's largely in my book because they stop exploring, they stop learning, they wow. stop pushing the envelope, they stop reaching out. I know plenty of guys much younger than me that have completely gone off the charts creatively. They're not creative at all. But it's because they gave up. It's not because of their age. Mm. And so I don't think of myself as, the, you know, it's funny. I, I'll be in meetings where I'm the oldest guy in the room, but I don't think of myself as that way. And I'll right. defer to younger people, even though I know that idea won't work. It's a dumb idea. I've tried yes. it a million times. It'll never work, <laughs> but I'll defer to that guy just because yes. I don't think of myself as the old guy. But I'll tell you, it, it, I, and I've been in a couple of situations, honestly, where clients have said, now, Phil, we need to have a little come to Jesus meeting here and we need to know if you still got what it takes. I mean, you still that creative wow. guy out there. You still able to do the stuff you used to do. And it's almost comical. In one of the meetings, I just produced this massive uh, concert event. Yes. But with this, the, the probably that one of the hippest churches in America. And, um, I, and I, I said, well, you know, when they called, when they wanted to do this big, giant global concert event, they didn't call a younger hip guy. They called me. And yeah. um, that kind of stopped the conversation right there. But I, yes. I think the important thing to remember is always, always be learning new stuff. I got my bachelor's so in my 20s, my master's in my 30s, my Ph.D. Wow. in my 40s, and I'm still taking classes. I'm still reading yes. graciously. And, and, and here's the other thing. This conference is a good example. If you're listening to this, yeah. you're probably the kind of person that totally. does want to grow, does want to learn. And the fact that you're here right. listening to our conversation today says something really positive about you. And I just think the key to creativity, you know, Michelangelo, sometimes considered the greatest artist in the history of the yeah. world, at his peak, uh, had the immortal quote, I'm still learning. You know, he felt like he mm. still had stuff to learn. So as a creative person, we should never feel like we've arrived. We should never feel so like we've good. gotten it there. And I think that's so, so important to remember. And, and one last thing, Aaron, I, I would say is, yep. as I do get older, I want to empower more younger creative people. Yes. And that's a big reason why a number of years ago, I started really focusing on how to teaching people how to lead creatives because I, yes. you know I, i'm still do, we're still producing stuff i'm leaving next week yes. to produce a go do a shoot in washington dc but i also feel like i should be empowering younger people yes. to know how to be more creative how to lead other creative people and as long as we're still growing and learning i don't think there's any limit to, to age or anything you can possibly do that's so good phil and what i love in my second 
favorite part about you is that it's not just for Phil. Uh, you're writing books, you're writing yep. blogs, you're doing podcasts, you're, you're letting others into the insights that you've been given and encouraging them to follow suit and do likewise uh, so that they can reach 77 uh, and have the impact that... Um, that yeah. you want to have. And so, uh, Phil, do you just want to let everybody know maybe the best place to connect with you? I know after I heard sure. you with Nils the first time on this podcast, uh, I was like, I need to find everything I can on Phil. And then I got the pleasure of hearing you speak at the Dunham Conference. Uh, yeah, where can they connect with you? Where can they buy your books? Maybe drop a couple of the titles of your books. You just sure. released a new one, your blog, all of it. Yeah. Uh, and this my will be in the show base, notes, everybody. My home base is kind of my blog at philcook.com. I'm cook with an E, P-H-I-L-C-O-O-K-E.com. You can find out about our company, Cook Media Group, there. You can go to cookmediagroup.com. But everything comes out of my blog. I'm kind of an obsessive writer, Aaron, and I'm always posting stuff. And, and I'm writing about yes. the intersection of faith, media, and culture. So I imagine wow. the people listening to this conversation right now, yes. that's their focus and their concern. Yes. And if you want to understand how to use the media to really impact the world, that's what I'm writing about. And uh, as yes. you said, I just finished my book, Maximize Your Influence, How to yes. Make Digital Media Work for Your Church, Your Ministry, and You. It's kind of a reference. It's really for leaders. I actually wrote this for leaders who wonder, you know, that you know, we all know about the publishing revolution that Gutenberg launched in the 1500s, yes. but I think the digital revolution is going to have even greater impact because it affects so That's much right. of our lives. So how do you speak to a digital generation? How do you do, what's the power of short videos? How should your website adapt as we're, yes. we're changing in our culture? So many things I think, and I, I deal with them in the book. So certainly get a copy for your pastor, your, the yes. leader of your organization, because that's really going to help him or her. But for you too, I think it's a great reference book just to have on your desk. And, and you can go on Amazon and, and uh, find my books and things that I've done there pretty easily. But um, I just love being a part of a community of people that are always trying to push the envelope with communication and media and how we can get the gospel out there in a more effective and powerful way. That's what gets me excited. Amen. And I, I yep. get the opportunity to you know, work in Hollywood and see how yes. the industry does it. You know, you, you, wow. there's many things we don't like about Hollywood. However, yeah. they're really good at making money, producing films. Yes. And I, I saw a quote the other day, somebody, we were joking and somebody said, um, Hollywood is great at making fake things look real, but Christians <laughs> are great at making real things look fake. And wow. that's really a sad comment. And we need yeah, to change that. We really need that's to change right. it. And so that's what I'm all passionate about. And thanks for, uh, talking to me today because yes. really, I, I get excited. I'm going to have to go write a new blog post now. <laughs> there you go. Well, I'm, I'm glad this <laughs> produced a new blog post in you. And that's really why we're putting this conference on. Nils and I are so passionate about this, as are all of the other speakers contributing to this conference. And we really believe that if you lean in and take time over those three days in July, that you'll be able to take your ministry and what God has laid on your heart and do all of these things and reach all of the people and maximize and amplify your ministries reach uh, to spread the gospel and ultimately introduce people to the realest thing in the world, which is Jesus. Uh, that's, that is a very inspiring quote. And I think that's why we have conversations like this, why you're writing books, blogs, why we're putting on conferences like this and why our listeners are leading ministries, because we know that that is not the truth. And we are working as hard as we can uh, with the power of the Holy Spirit to reverse that phrase and that thought True. and that ideology of what followers of Jesus are. So, uh, Phil, this whole conversation has been a, a, a little taste as to what people are going to get from your talk, but do you want to give them the 30 second elevator pitch on what you're going to be given to the conference? 
Sure, my talk at the conference is on how the secrets of leading creative people. And as I said before, I think that uh, there's a lot of leadership stuff out there. Yes. But when it comes to learning how to really motivate and inspire creatives, that's a little bit harder to find. And so I'm going to go that's into right. really 10 principles that I've developed over the years about leading creative people all over the world. And uh, I think you'll walk away being a better creative. I mean, yes. even if you're not leading creative people now, that's one right. day you're going to step up and you're going to be asked to do that. So whether That's you're right. leading them now, whether you're a creative person now, whatever, you should be there at my talk because I think it's going to equip you to really be an amazing leader when it comes to creative That's teams. Right. That's right. Well, Phil, I thank you so much personally for me, how much you've blessed me and my ministry and my understanding of what creatives are, how to lead them, and even how to be a better creative myself. I'm so glad we got to have this conversation today. Thanks for taking the time to be on with us. Thank you, Aaron. Well, everyone listening, make sure you go check out and reserve your spot today for the Social Media Church Conference. You can go to socialmedia.church slash conference. It's July 13th through the 15th. We're going to be covering three main areas. We're going to have some people talk specifically about all of the platforms that exist. We're going to talk about the creative elements with Phil. We're going to talk. Up, and the third thing we're going to talk about is the strategy, how we actually implement all of these parts on the social platforms. So make sure you claim your spot today. We're really excited to be bringing that to you. And until we talk again, this is a Social Media Church podcast, and my name is Aaron.